We're the reason they put speakers in your car. to the point plus we got a great classic album to go through today and if you're looking at the title you already know what it is but it's going to be a little lengthy one so we're going to try to get through it as best as possible don't forget you can find me on soundcloud itunes tune in google music spotify and my youtube page just put up a new late night show with my man cool tone so make sure y'all check that out so did you get to kick the layer kick that lyric from last week it was my girl, Fox Boogie Brown, BWA, Bitches With Attitude, with Mia X and Gangsta Boo. It is one of my favorite songs. I do like it. When I just like the hook where the shit be like, I'm a motherfucking bitch. I was like, yeah, I fuck with that. Anyway, so today we have the new one, the new Kick That Lyric. This is from an artist that is 
Um, he was he's been in the game since he was sixteen. He has his own label. He is a dominant force in the music industry. Um, I I don't think the game would be the same with him uh, without him at this point. Like. A, a complete game changer matter of fact if you want to go back you can also listen to those old episodes from the kickstand podcast about game changes we talked about quite a few of those anyway it reads i'm going back in okay i lost my mind it's somewhere out there stranded i think you understand me if you don't understand me had my heart broken by a woman named Tammy, but hoes gonna be hoes, so I couldn't blame Tammy. Just talked to moms, told her she's the sweetest. I beat the beat up, call it self-defense. Swear, man, I be seeing through these niggas like sequence. Niggas think they he-men, pow, pow, the end. Talking to myself because I am my own consultant. Married to the money. Fuck the world. That's adultery. You full of shit. You close your mouth and let your ass talk. Money getting all you haters do is add salt. Stop playing, bitch. I got this game on dead ball. Mine so sharp I fucked around and cut my head off. Real niggas all day and tomorrow. But these motherfuckers talking crazy like they jaws broke. Glass half empty, half full. I spill ya. Try me and run into a wall outfielder. You know I'm my ball till they turn off the field lights the fruits of my labor i'm uh, enjoying while they still right bitches stop playing i do it like a king do these niggas animals and i'ma have a mink soon tell them bitches i say put my name on the wall i speak the truth but i guess that's a foreign language to y'all and i call it like i see it and my glasses on but most of y'all don't get the picture lest the flash is on. Satisfied with nothing, you don't know the half of it. Money, money, paper chase. Tell my paper, look, I'm right behind ya. Bitch, real G's moving silence like lasagna. People say I'm borderline crazy, sorta, kinda. Woman of my dreams, I don't sleep so I can't find her. Your ni- you niggas are gelatin. Peanuts to an elephant. I got through that sentence like a subject and a predicate. Yeah, swagger. Sorry, yeah, with the swagger you would kill for. Money too strong, pockets on bodybuilder. Jumped in a wishing well. Now wish me well. Tell him kiss my ass. Call it kiss and tell. Okay, that was a long one. And very evident. I know y'all can hear it. I know y'all know exactly what this is. Let me know. Hit me up on Kicking It With Young Smooth Pod on Instagram or on Twitter. And let me know if y'all got it. That's the only way I know that y'all listen. But I know y'all listen. It's all good. I definitely appreciate it. Alright, so let's get into this Ratchet and Ridiculous this week. Some really interesting stuff. And I got a couple of opinions on this stuff. 
So, number one, starting off, federal judge sides with Monique in Netflix disclaimer lawsuit. Sorry, discrimination lawsuit. I don't know why every time I start to do this, y'all, I'm, you know what, it's my show, I'm going to do what I want to do, but I have to take a sip of water. Mm-mm. Mm. I think that this part of the house is probably the only part that be dry as hell, but whatever. Um, U.S. District Court has ruled that Monique has presented enough evidence against Netflix to take the streaming powerhouse to trial for discrimination and racial bias. The platform, Monique Hicks, alleges that after she publicly expressed her dissatisfaction with Netflix's initial offer, the streaming titan refused to negotiate higher compensation. Plaintiff was sufficiently, has, sorry, has sufficiently alleged that Netflix failure to negotiate and increase her opening offer by straying from its standard practice employment actions that are reasonably likely to adversely and materially affect an employee stated judge Andre Batori Jr. sorry if I messed it up in his ruling the court also mentioned that an employer's failure to negotiate an opening offer in good faith is an adverse employment action. There are many adverse employment actions that employers take that could obstruct employee advancement. There is an adverse employment action in uh, if the defendant has taken an action or alleged in a counter of pardon of conduct that taken as a whole material and adversely affect the term condition of privilege of employment, according to Justia. Now, Netflix reached out to Monique to pitch her a show. However, the Oscar Award winner felt disrespected by the offer of the streaming company present that, sorry, that the offer that the streaming company presented her. She and her management rejected the offer, insisting she should be compensated similar to the white female comedians who are paid substantially more. Okay, so let's get into that. Um, I know that I have gone back and forth on this whole Monique thing. I've done it for the last almost two years now. And for real, for real, at one point, I was definitely like, yo, um, ain't no, hold on. Mm, mm. This is one thing that I think we can all walk out of as a learning experience because we are all so quick so quick to say oh Monique you just need to take the money and just be happy with what they was giving them but this is one of those moments where you show as a black woman as a black person that you stand enough for more than than what you're supposed to be given the black woman is the most unprotected class in society and that is what shows where Amy Schumer, who is not that, for real, for real, is not that funny. Like, she's really not. Like, I've watched some stuff and been like, okay, for, you're not funny. You actually just kind of crude. The shit just ain't even, it's not funny. But she was making more. And the standard practice of what she was making versus what they offered Monique, who, if you're going off of a resume, Monique's resume still speaks volumes to where even even with that, like, 
which is real crazy to me now because the Parkers, which is a show that Monique was on, is now going to be on Netflix. You know, Monique also appeared on um, many of the, the the movies that the stream the streaming services had. Like uh, they had um, Soul Plane on forever. Monique was in that as well. I mean, granted, she's not reaping a residual like that, but for something to have her own stand up, her own comedy, getting back to her craft and doing what she does, like that would have been epic for the you know for that streaming service. Like most definitely an epic thing for them. Um, I, I didn't think at first, like maybe she had a case and I definitely was one of those people that was like, Monique, just take the money. Cause now you, it just, it seemed very attackive. Uh, 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 that's not the word. It's not a word. Um, it seemed like she was very, um, standoffish and aggressive in, in her approach. And I guess that's the thing that quote unquote turned everybody off, but it was also, it's also one of those things when you're confronted with something like, yo, if somebody tells you you're difficult, well, explain to me how I'm difficult. Oh, well, you just aggress- like, how does that make sense? Like, yo, if you're difficult, you're difficult. Uh, it, that I can tell you that you're difficult because you've done X, Y, Z. But if no one can come up with an explanation on why you're, di- why you're, you're difficult at that point, then that really leads to a bag of bullshit because how was she difficult? But nobody's ever really stated how she was difficult. Oh, she was demanding, but demanding to be paid for your time. Like that's the least that we all struggle for. You go to a nine to five job every day. You expect from them for the eight to nine hours of your day, you expect to get paid. So how does that make that any different? You know what I'm saying to you? So I, I felt her, I felt her on that. And then now leading to, that's just like if you work at your job for years and years on end and a, a new company comes in or or whatever, or the new person comes in and they get a, a level of seniority or they get more money than you, how is that fair when you've already worked this job? Oh, it's because of their resume. Can't say it's because of their resume because their resume should be no better if not great if greater than yours it should be no better than yours because y'all still y'all still running the same race so i saw i see her point like i i have to apologize and go back because i remember being on this show and on this platform saying oh you know you need to just take the money nah you right at this particular point what happens to if she takes that money and said, and Hollywood sets that standard of this is all you're worth. Netflix sets that standard of this is all black comedians, black female comedians are worth. Worth. How does that approach to the Jess Hilarious is coming behind it, or the B Simone's coming behind? It? Like, and, and they and and they just settle for that because that's what they think the the standard practice is, or you can get over on it. You know what I'm saying to you? Um, but you just can't. You, you just can't at this point. Now, one would say also that Tiffany Haddish, on the grand scheme of things, has also been on Netflix. She's also added her own brand to um, to the stand-up game by having her um, 
her bat mitzvah on there and this that, and the third but her numbers are undisclosed we don't know what tiffany took whether tiffany took less or tiffany got more because her resume was so great at the time had girls trip on there which was a, a box office hit and does that make that different we'll never know and that's tiffany's business you know what i'm saying like tiffany does not have to disclose that for anybody that doesn't make any sense however racially if ellen and everyone else is getting more Monique deserves more. Wanda Sykes deserves more. Like, yo, let's start standing up for what it is. And I think that we shouldn't just jump on a bandwagon because it's like, oh, you sister, you need to just be happy to sit at the table. No. If Tyler Perry, who she has beef with, has made his own table, why Monique can't make hers? And, and I feel very strongly about that. And I just, I thought about it after a while. And I had to think about, like, what was the best way to come back and say, I was wrong. I was definitely wrong because I definitely was one of those people that was big on this whole, oh, just take the money, just take the money and run. No. When do you, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And that's that's real shit. So I, I'm very proud of her. I'm glad that you take taking Netflix to court for, for the shit. I don't think that we, I will say this. In the interim of things, I don't think that niggas would have boycotted Netflix because let me tell you something, Stranger Things was still coming on. Uh, <laughs> um, Orange is the New Black was still coming. I like, I can't, I, I couldn't um, avoid all of that. But now, if you would have specifically said maybe let me avoid stand up, even though that is my thing, that I may have stood in solidarity with that. But unfortunately, I still would have gave Netflix money because it was there were more things on Netflix than just that you know what i'm saying so there was there was just more on there or than that but moving on tiktok teen clowned for giving impression that an ashanti cover was her own song tiktok teenager star danielle first of all i didn't know that that was a thing but apparently it is um danielle cohen is getting clowned after she shared a preview of what she claimed was her own song but was really a cover of Ashanti's Foolish. Cohen has reportedly now 16, first gained online attention for videos in which she lip-sang along to famous tracks back in 2016, which drag queens do that all the time. I'm not quite sure how that's a thing, but whatever. <laughs> By the time she was 13, she revealed that she was planning to move to Los Angeles to help launch her music career, as BuzzFeed News reported in 2018. Cohen claimed at the time she was one of the most hated people on Instagram, an impressive boast considering her competition included the likes of Takashi 69 and Woe Vicky. While Cohen might not be internet's actual least favorite person she is now getting a lot of static from ashanti fans as she seemingly referred to her version of foolish as her own song rather than a cover she states make a tiktok of my new song i hate i hate it she <laughs> she wrote even calling the track foolish in the description of the video Fans came out in droves to criticize Cohen for not highlighting that it was a cover, especially as many of her followers are young people who likely haven't heard the original before. As many were quick to point out, she never gave Ashanti credit on the TikTok and has even made merch related to the cover. Okay, 
so few things real quick um me and my wife have had this discussion several we've had it several times I think, and uh, me and Tone kind of touched on it a little bit too, but it wasn't related to this because this was just a newer development. Um, So, we in the hip-hop community are quick to be the ones to automatically throw our people, our elder statesmen, people that have done things in the past, in the earlier 2000s and 90s and so on and so forth. We are quick to throw them to the side like they don't exist, like... Like, they still haven't made staples. Like, she isn't a huge sex symbol. Like, none of those things happen. Like, Ashanti... Ashanti, even with her career now, has definitely resurfaced big time with the Tory Lanez. Like, her her being on Chick Tape 5. Um, She was in a joint... The Joyner Lucas video that I just recently watched. I was like, wow, looking, looking sexy as ever. So... I can get from the perspective of Danielle not knowing who Ashanti was and someone probably brought this song to her. But first of all, you getting a notoriety for you not really having a talent. So I watched her video. First of all, I haven't gone back to the video since, but it already had 33,000 dislikes. People are not fucking with y'all because I think, honestly, truth be told, one of the main things that is a big contributing factor uh, for Ashanti, and I think people feel this way strongly, is that Ashanti has been completely used in the music industry. She she wrote for Jennifer Lopez, same background hooks for Jennifer Lopez. Jo- Jennifer Lopez has passed them off as her own. You know what I'm saying to you? She writes for other artists. She doesn't get credited. And I don't I don't think this shit is fair. I don't think it's right. I think it's time that Ashanti got her just dues because you need to. But the girl did the whole song. It was bland as fuck to begin with. Let's be clear. The shit was like whitewashed bland. S- second of all, yo, white folk, stop appropriating culture. We I don't know how many times we must say this to you. This is ridiculous. The reason why I say that is because the girl had all of this baby hair situation going on. Y'all knew nothing about baby hair. Our queens have baby hair. Look at Chili. Chili has had baby hair forever. Okay, you can you can't you can't just appropriate like it. It's it's really interesting how Danielle looks. She don't look like a black girl. Let's be clear, she don't. But it looks like an imitation of said black girl or trying to be that sexy around the way girl. You're 16. You don't know anybody. Also, whoever is on your label or trying to get you to a status, they need to be fired because they knew damn good and well that it was her song. And then not to mention the fact, this is what pissed me off the most. Watching the video and at the end of the video, it says special thanks to Ashanti. What are you talking about, ma'am? Ma'am, not special thanks to Ashanti when you stole her whole song verbatim, word for word, line for line. I won't say no for no because Ashanti will sing that throw under the table with a high pitch ass voice. I love Ashanti. But, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm tired of the excuse that I'm young and I don't know. That's not true. That's not, that is not true. That, that, that excuse that I'm young and I don't know is bullshit because 
I knew about the Temptations and Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and so on and so forth and all of these great legends that paved the way prior to me ever wanting to rap or, or sing or whatever. Like, I knew about those because that was the history because my people listened to that. Like, hip-hop as a general influence in general and a driving force, and we'll talk about that more when we talk about Nas or whatever, but hip-hop as a driving force in general comes from those roots like we knew our history and our roots and within that we created the new sound and that new wave but for you to completely what i don't like because you you've done it those kardashian bitches have done it and i'm saying i'm saying what it is those kardashian bitches have done it y'all appropriate the culture and then try to call it and pass it off as your own and the second that we be like nah 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 real quick that that ain't your shit Y'all look stupid and befuddled. Like, oh my God, I'm so hated. Everyone hates me. Nah, we don't hate you, but we do want you to do the right thing. We want you to do the right thing like Spike Lee. We want you to make sure that you give Ashanti the credit that is just due to her. She is owed that. She is due that. That song was a number one hit in the early 2000, what, 2001, 2002. Like, yo, a smash hit. It was the Black Girl National Anthem for God knows how long. So what you won't do is try to pass it off as your white saltine cracker bullshit and you will give her just dues. Furthermore, you can't be sitting out here and making money off of some foolish shit because right now that's what you look like. You look foolish. You look foolish. Just saying. Um... Also, moving on, fans react to leaked Chloe and Halle Do It remix featuring Doja Cat, Mulatto, and the City Girls. Okay, I never, I, I just wanted to put that out there. I just went onto the headline because I actually um, listened to the song myself. And I'm not a big Chloe and Halle fan. That's not really my thing. Um, but I am very happy that they're doing their thing. Um, it, it's great to see the women empowerment. We talked about this um, on the late night episode so make sure y'all check that out on the kicking it with young smooth podcast um on youtube so i was sitting there and i was listening to the song and to be honest with you everybody's sitting here and you're dragging carisha you're dragging young miami and to be honest for the first time ever i was very surprised that she was on beat and everybody like, oh, she not on beat. Da, da, da. I mean, Carisha had some moments where I just really had to be like, Carisha, please. But, <laughs> you know, Carisha had some moments where you really just kind of be like, eh, you don't, you don't a whole hell of a lot. I don't really think this is working. But JT usually stays in pocket primarily. However, this, it wasn't bad. Doja Cat killed it. You know what I'm saying? To you, Mulatto did her thing. But I... I, I wouldn't sit here and say that this is literally a bad thing. It's really not. Um, it's a really nice song. Um, I hope that they get a chance to make a really dope video when we come out of quarantine or whatever. Again, I ask this question very honestly. Are we still in quarantine? Who knows? Can somebody raise their hand? Because I'm confused. I don't understand. Uh, but moving on. Usher announces his residency in Vegas. I'm here for this. I, yo, let me tell y'all something. Usher put on a show. Fuck the rest of his shit, his personal life, the, the herpes, and all the rest of the shit. Usher puts on a shit oh. You hear what I tell you? That what? Yo, the Confessions tour was amazing. And again, another 
piece of music iconography that is in my love story. So I, I can't wait for this. But Usher is taking his talents to Las Vegas. The confession singer just announced that he will be headlining his own residency at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. The venue seats about 4,300 people and it will kick off July 16, 2021, Usher told Rolling Stone. I'm trying to get my money together. Uh, 2020 has been extremely complicated. We've suppressed We've been suppressed with anxiety and anger and can't do anything social. So I'm really excited to be able to know that I'm in the process of putting together a show for Las Vegas. Here for it. I'm I'm glad to hear good news about Usher. I think he's supposed to be having another baby with another older woman, allegedly. I don't know. I don't. You know what? It ain't my dick. I don't care. Um, <laughs> cause as long as it ain't burning and spewing out green, you know what? I, I give Usher flack for a lot of shit, but the music is good. Um, just like an underrated album and my man, Tony Crab put me onto it, but his album, the A, the sound sonically and, 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 and the quality wise, that shit was actually bumping. I, I don't think it just came, it didn't come with as many commercial hits, but I think that, um, yeah, Usher is going to be pretty good. You know, so for the most part, I'm I'm really, really excited. I want to get my money up. I want to go to Vegas anyway. So, I mean, that's a great excuse. There are, are a ton of shows that are are killing it. I don't, I, I really want to know how a residency works because, like, do you, I know it, it's at least a year, at least. And, I mean, it can be renewed like any other contract. But, like, I remember Salt and Pepper did theirs. Um... Uh, Britney Spears has had like a residency so I'm like I don't quite know how that works so ooh, yo that would be dope too instead of Brandy and Monica touring Brandy and Monica doing a residency in Las Vegas how would that work I don't know I don't know but I just thought about it because you know they, they at least are talking about Usher so I mean that could be that could be something dope something to think about Mm. Okay, moving on. Bags for bags. Cardi B stars in a new Balenciaga campaign in a new billboard. The WAP is winning. Come on, wet-ass pussy. Uh, I'm only calling it WAP because y'all calling it WAP. You know how I feel about this. I definitely have already felt my way in regards to this because y'all niggas can't spell. Anyway, Cardi B has added yet another notch to her already decorated belt. She is now the face of the international luxury clothing brand. As spotted on Hip Hop DX, the Bronx bombshell has just secured a bag of a lifetime, literally and figuratively. On Monday, September 1st, she announced that she has inked a deal with Balenciaga via her social media. She states... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna do it. I wanted to do it. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, y'all looking at the face of Balenciaga campaign. I remember how it felt seeing myself on a billboard in NYC Times Square, but Paris, 
Wish I was there to see it in person, she wrote. The visual finds the WAP rapper laying on the grass wearing a sultry navy blue dress. She is surrounded by yellow and green items and a white clutch perch adorned with black studs. This partnership is net worthy considering the fashion house recently secured the number two spot on the list index quarter one 2020's hottest brands reported right behind Virgil Abolo's Off-White additionally Bella Calise I, I don't like that girl's name I promise y'all I don't I, it's, it's, the, it's the weirdest name but it's her name, so let's leave it at that. It is her name. Uh, Bella Calise has uh, often praised the label throughout the, her career, including a cleverly mentioned line on her smash hit, I like it. I like those Balenciagas, the ones that look like socks. So, shout out to Cardi. That is huge. I am glad that you were securing the bag. I'm glad that... I, we, me and my cousin talked about this and I believe it because I am such a, I, I'm such a connoisseur of female hip hop. Like I, I love it. I love to hear something different. My reasoning for loving female hip hop is because, and, and, and just, and, and, and let's be honest, they rappers regardless. Like you, you just happen to be female, but one thing that I like about it primarily is the fact that it gives you a different spectrum of of a reality. Like, my, my artists that I hold dear are artists that paint pictures in a different way. Like, as I'm sitting in this room that I've showed you guys a couple of times, if you follow me on my social media, um, I look at, like, some of the paintings that I put up here, and I, and I got paintings of Wayne and Pimp C and Nas, Aaliyah, Mary J. Blige, Drake, Nikki, you know what I'm saying, Missy, and it's, it's, it's like, that's my level of hip-hop. It's not because it's mainstream. Mainstream is one thing, you know what I'm saying to you, but... I love the fact that they laid out blueprints and they're painting a, a different picture for us. A lot of times, yo, there are a thousand men, but there are only handfuls of women. And then, you know, at least for the top part of a decade uh, of, of the 2010s, we only had one that reigned supreme. So to see this new unity and then to be able to like pick and choose, like, yo, you can pick and choose. Like, I can say that, the like, I like the game. The game ain't for everybody. You feel what I'm saying to you? Um, I like T.I. T.I. not for everybody. Um, I like Nipsey, but Nipsey wasn't for everybody. And I didn't, and, and I'll be very honest. I didn't like Nipsey until Nipsey died. Like, I had to get into the music. I like Pop Smoke. I didn't like Pop Smoke until it was a cosign from Nicki. So, yes, now saying it out loud, yes, a lot of it does sound very industry-wise. But sometimes, you you know, you need that. But I like Pop Smoke. I like Fresher. You know what I'm saying to you? Like, those are artists that we don't normally talk about on a regular, you know, basis um, at this point. But I, for for guys, you have to kind of, like, pick and choose. You know what I'm saying? You have to be like, okay, I'm, I'm taking this one today. I'm taking this one tomorrow. But for girls, it's so many. Uh, it's such a plethora, plethora. And they're painting different pictures. 
However, I also say that to say, I also say that saying, um, ladies, y'all do need to step your pussy up, but you need to stop talking about it because I'm tired, okay? We do need, I, I think we do need a different variety. We need the Rhapsodies, you know what I'm saying to you? We need the, the, the classic Lauren Hill. We need that because I literally can go through and put on YouTube music and I promise you, I could start with WAP and they'll just give me a whole list of ratchetness and ratchet girls. And I'm like, eh, that's cool when you want to turn up. But like, who's giving me something that's also feeding my soul? Or who's giving, like, feeding my soul like Lauren? Or who's giving me something avant-garde like Missy? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I need the variety. Or who was spitting the street shit like Fox? Or who was, who... Who else is spitting the sex shit the way Kim spat? Because back in the day, we're not talking about Kim now. Because Kimberly, I'm I'm still really confused on that. Another thing that I, I I didn't get a chance to mention on since we in the female bag real quick. Another thing that I didn't get a chance to mention about Foxy, and I didn't think about it really primarily until now. Fox is. So so underrated just a, a complete bar spitter the one thing that i like about the new nas album is that i'm in love with the song full circle because y'all know i love the firm it is what it is however one thing that i like about foxy um in 2018 when the queen album came out and foxy brown was on the queen album I was a little leery because I felt like the patois got so mixed in that people weren't receptive to that. But after listening to Coco Chanel a couple of times, I'm like, oh, Fox actually back. Like, she actually, yeah. Oh, she really, she really rapped though. You know what I'm saying? So I really, 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 really um, appreciate Fox for that. Um, secondly, with the full circle song, it was one of those moments that I felt like, oh, this is what I missed. This is the fox that I missed. You know what I'm saying to you? That is one thing that I feel like little Kim just can't quite get over the hump. Like, yo, we miss, excuse me, we miss Kimberly. We miss little Kim. We don't like whoever this new sound. I know she always wants to, to push the envelope and push the sound, but even from... I would say at least for the first couple of albums, like with the first four albums, yo, it was great. The fifth album, and I guess it's been so long and there's so much has happened at this point, it's not great. And you're supposed to give us a 9.5 or 9.202 or whatever the, the next chapter of this is. It's, it has to be better and you, you have to... Give us some classic because you're gone so long. I, I promise you, one of the things that I, I've, I've noticed in life is that when you leave people in a situation, the last memory that you have of them is exactly where they are, no matter how much they've changed, and they can. That is the last memory. Where they at is where they at in your mind. That's it. That's all you got. So I just need for. Kim to, to, for lack of better words, come full circle. 
<clears throat> Moving on. Jeezy is dropping the recession too. There's a pandemic going on, but the snowman is sorry, the snowman is still delivering. It's been 12 years since Jeezy, the then young Jeezy, dropped his third album, The Recession. So naturally, the Atlanta rapper revealed that he is working on its proper sequel. He states. 12 years ago today, I wrote The Recession, one of the best albums to date. Also, um, as you can see, we are here again. As Jeezy's caption of the video noting the 12-year milestone, the clip makes it obvious that the sequel is on deck, ending with a 2-inch graphic um just after a 2020 graphic that indicates the album will be dropping sometime this year. The recession singles included put on featuring Kanye West and production by Drummer Boy, My President featuring Nas and the Shorty Red product uh, produced, and Who That? Who That? Sorry. The album is certified platinum, and that's before the streaming era. But this time out, there is a new recession thanks to a pandemic, and Jeezy is ready to head this on and tackle this head first. But he's also doing this without Def Jam. So... I'm excited about this. I remember that era. I remember the Young Jeezy era. I remember that time. I am thinking. <clears throat> let me rephrase that. I'm ho- let me rephrase it. I'm not thinking. I'm not hoping. I already know it's going to be great. Here's why. We are in a hip hop era, especially. I-, I have two things. I have something else is running in my head. And I'm gonna say it too. We are in a hip hop area where our elder statesmen are. Showing these kids up. I believe I what I really would like, I would like for there to be um like you know like on the radio, like there's an adult contemporary R and B. I want there to be like not pigeon held to this one thing, because again, MCs can do anything, but like an adult contemporary hip hop stage. Like, yo, this is exactly the hip hop that we love, that we 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 put out King's Disease and some of those songs and the locks living off experience. I don't know if I think I said last week that I hadn't listened to it. Oh my gosh, y'all, my people, bruh, this album is amazing. I have never and I will be again. I'm very honest in, in where I, where I stood in my music at the time. I've never really honestly listened to a Locks album in the way that I have embraced and loved this album. Like, I might have listened to a Jadakiss album more fully and completely, or even uh, Chic or Styles P by themselves, you know, just kind of equally. But together, this album, no, I take that back. The last album that I listened to completely like that was Money, Power, Respect. When I tell y'all, this album, beginning to end, no skips. King's Disease, beginning to end, no skips. The Recession 2, I believe it will be beginning to end, no skips. This is going to, this is an epic time for hip-hop. I mean, people are digging in a bag and bringing us the best music ever. However, comma, 
I was sitting here thinking about something else um, as far as some other new music. It was this new song with Pharrell and Jay-Z called Entrepreneur. I like the message. I don't like the song. And and I'm, I'm just be honest with y'all and I'm going to leave that there. Moving on. Marvel fans petition for Shuri to take the mantle in Black Panther 2. Chadwick Boseman's tragic death last week sent the entertainment world reeling. Since then, we've seen this his MCU co-stars paying tribute to him on ABC's Chadwick Boseman, a tribute to a king, and fans pouring their hearts out on social media. We've also learned apparently nobody at Marvel Studios had any idea of his illness, so this was as much of a shock to them as it is to us. Of course, the news... It's caused fans to begin debating the best way to pay tribute to Bozeman in Black Panther 2. But there's no, uh, there's one idea in particular that seems to be building momo- momentum. First up, almost everybody rejects the thought of recasting the role. Bozeman was so iconic and regal as T'Challa that simply bringing in another actor to play him would simply be disrespectful. Similarly, It'd, it would be awkward if they digitally recreated him Carrie Fisher style like in the Star Wars situations. Perhaps they could get away with doing it for a single scene, but I don't want to see, and I don't think anybody else wants to see, a Black Panther 2 starring a creepy CGI Bozeman like that is going to be freaking horrible. The other solution is to hand the mantle to, uh, to the Black Panther down from T'Challa and fans are saying that Latia writes Shuri is the obvious choice. In fact, new predictions launched on change.org is calling for this to happen and it reads as follows. Chaswick Bozeman can never be replaced. He is Black Panther. No actor should take on this role in the light of the devastating passing. Shuri should take up the mantle of Black Panther as she has done it so in the comics. Please reimagine Black Panther 2 in this way as a tribute to this incredible man. This makes sense to me and Shuri should actually fill two roles on the new Avengers team. First up as the new Black Panther and secondly as the tech-oriented replacement for Tony Stark's. Not to mention that Latia Wright, um, sorry, Latia Wright takes on the character was enormously popular, and there have long been rumors that Marvel Studios plans to heavily feature her going forward. If she took up the mantle in Black Panther two, I think she'd be fantastic. I only wish it didn't have to be under such depressing circumstances. I agree with that article that I read. I agree with that 100%. Um, I think that... I Actually, really, honestly, one of the big things that I really think, I think that they need to do it anyway. I think it is most notably it needs to be done because one thing that we have lacked from the MCU and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is an authenticity of sticking to the comic. Everyone has taken creative liberties and has just kind of gone on and said, yo, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. I don't think that's what's up. Um, but yeah, I, I've seen a lot of petitions about it and I'm, I am here for it. So super, super, super excited. Cannot wait.
All right, so it is time once again, once again, it is time for my album discussion. If you have already read the title of this particular podcast, it's about Illmatic. I would wave it again, but again, Illmatic is such a classic. It is in the hip-hop case. There is no other place for it to be. Eventually, you'll hear me wave another um, album. I just gotta, you know, take them out of there. But, and I think I have my next uh, three shows planned out, so I'm pretty confident on that. But, I looked at I looked at his picture and I thought to myself, I can't. This is gonna be a little but probably not so much because I think I'm going to cut some of this stuff out but um so it's been over 25 years and this album has just stood the test of time it is a classic directly out the bat and there's no there's no other way to, to put it other than to bow down um to the greatness and to something that people actually thought was not going to be great. Actually, people weren't checking for Nas at, at, at one point. So Illmatic is the debut studio album by American rapper Nas. It was released on April 19th, 1994 by Columbia Records after signing with the label with the help of MC Search. Nas recorded the album in 1992 and 93 at Chung King Studios, D&D Recording, Battery Studios, and and Unique Recording Studios in New York City. The album's production was handled by DJ Premier, A Large Professor, Pete Rock, Q-Tip, LES, and Nas himself. Styled as a hardcore hip-hop album, Illmatic features multi-symbolic international rhymes and inner-city natives based on Nas, sorry, inner city narratives based on Nas' experience in Queenbridge, New York. The album debuted at number 12 on the U.S. 200 charts, selling 63,000 copies in its first week. However, its initial sales fell below expectations and its five singles failed to achieve significant chart success. Despite the album's low initial sales, Illmatic received rave reviews from most music critics who praised its product and Nas's lyricism on January 17, 1996. The album was certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America and on December 11, 2001 it earned a platinum certification after shipping a million copies in the United States. The album has sold 2 million copies in the United States as of February 6, 2019 so possibly even more at this point. Since its initial reception, Illmatic has been recognized by writers and music critics as a landmark album in East Coast hip-hop. Its influence on subsequent hip-hop artists has been um, attributed to the album's production and Nas's lyricism. It's also considered to the rival uh, to, so, to, yeah, I can't read the damn sorry, I fucked up again. Uh, to the revival of the New York City rap scene, introducing a number of stylistic trends to the region. The album is widely regarded as one of the greatest and most influential albums of all time, appearing on numerous best albums lists by critics and publications alike. Uh, 
As a teenager, Nas wanted to pursue a career as a rapper and enlisted his best friend and neighbor, Willie Illwill Graham, as his DJ. Nas initially went by the nickname Kid Wave before adopting his moniker Nasty Nas. After the age of 15, he met producer Large Professor from Flushing, Flushing's Queens and also introduced to his group, Main Source. Nas made his record debut with them performing the opening verse on Live at the Barbecue for their 1991 album, Breaking Adams. Nas subsequently made his solo debut on his 1992 single, Halftime, on the soundtrack for the film, Zebrahead. The single added to the buzz surrounding Nas's uh, surrounding Nas, earning him comparisons to influential Golden Age rapper Rakim. Despite his buzz in the underground scene, Nas did not receive an offer for a recording contract being rejected by major labels such as Cold Chillin' and Def Jam Recordings. Nas and Ill Will continued to work together, but their partnership was cut short when Graham was murdered by a gunman in Queensbridge on May 23rd, 1992. Nas's brother was also shot that night, but survived. Nas has cited that this moment was a wake-up call for him. In mid-1992, Search, whose group Third Base had dissolved, began working on his solo project and approached Nas. At the suggestion of producer T. Ray Search, collaborated with Nas for Back to the Grill, the lead single for Search's 1992 solo album, Return of the Product. At the recording session for the song, Search discovered that Nas did not have a recording contract and subsequently contacted Faith Newman, an A&R executive at Sony Entertainment. As Search recounted, Nas was in a position where his demo had been sitting around. Live at the Barbecue was already a classic and he was just trying to find a decent deal. So when he gave me his demo, I shopped it around. I took it to Russell first. Russell said it sounded like G-Rap. He wasn't with it. So I took it to Faith. Faith loved it. She said... She'd been looking for Nas for a year and a half. They wouldn't let me leave the office without a deal on the table. Once Search assumed the role of executive producer for Nas's debut project, he attempted to connect Nas with various producers. Based on his buzz at the time, numerous New York-based producers were eager to work with him. They went to the powerhouse studio with Nas among these producers were DJ Premier, um, recognized at the time for his raw and aggressive production with jazz-based samples and heavy scratching, and for his work with rapper Guru as part of the hip-hop duo Gangstar. After his production on Lord Finesse and DJ Mike Smooth's Funky Technician, and Juru the Damja, the Sun Rises in the East, in 1994, Premier began recording exclusively at D&D Studios in New York City, in New York City before working with Nas on Illmatic. Prior to recording, DJ Premier had listened to Nas's debut single, 
later stating, when I heard halftime, that was some next shit to me. That's just as classic to me as Eric B for president and the bridge. It just had that type of effect. As simple as it is, all of the elements were there. So from that point, after Search approached me about doing some cuts, it was automatic. You'd be stupid to pass that up. If it wasn't paying, even if it wasn't paying no money. Search later noted that the charisma between Nas and DJ Premier recounting that Primo and Nas, they could have been, they could have been separated at birth. It wasn't a situation where his beats fit their rhymes. They fit each other. While Search reached out to DJ Premier, Large Professor contacted Pete Rock to collaborate with Nas on what became The World Is Yours. Shortly afterwards, producer Q-Tip and L.E.S. chose to work on the album. Life's a Bitch contains a court solo performed by Nas's father, Alu Dara. The song also features Brooklyn-based rapper A.Z., in an early promotional interview, Nas claimed that the name Illmatic, meaning Beyond Ill or The Ultimate, was a reference to his incarcerated friend, Illmatic Ice. Nas later described the title as Supreme Ill. It's as ill as ill gets. That shit is a science of everything. Um, at the time of recording... I forgot where I was for a second. Sorry. At the time of recording, expectations for the hip-hop scenes were high for Illmatic. In a 1994 interview with The Source, which dubbed him the second coming, Nas spoke highly of the album, saying that this feels like a big project that's going to affect the world. We in here on the download doing something for the world. That's how it feels. That's what it is. For all the ones that think it's all about some rough shit, talking about guns all the time, but no science behind it, we're going to bring it to them like this. AZ recounted recording on the album. I got on Nas's album and did Life's a Bitch uh, song, but even then I thought it was terrible and I was terrible on it, to be honest. But once people started hearing that hearing that and they were liking it that was what built up my confidence I thought okay I can probably do this the record was everything to be the only person featured on Elmatic when Nas was considered one of the top men in New York at the time one of the freshest newest artists at the time was big during uh during the session Nas composed the song Nas is like which later um which later recorded as the single for his 1999 album, I Am. Um, so, just in general, this album meant so much to me. And considering the the fact that, um, I think at the the time, like, it was, it was so much, again, so much music that ended up coming out. Like, at that time, I wasn't, I want to say, I, like, 
when Nas first came out with um, Illmatic, I wasn't really super honed in on Nas like that. Um, but I think that, like, once... Was it if I ruled the world? Yeah, I think once... It, I ruled the world, I remember stayed in rotation. And once that was on rotation, heavily like that. And it, it, um, it kind of made me switch my tune over to Nas and I, and I had to go back. But then it also made me all fall in love with it. I felt like it was a different level of storytelling. Like even Big was out there at the time. And, and, and it was something that I wasn't, I was still young enough to not listen to. I want to say by the time all of that was going on, like, um, you still had the East, you, like, you still had East Coast, West Coast beef, but all of it didn't really start surfacing. Like, so much was moving so quickly, and, like, Nas had been just, just a gem. And then, not to mention the fact, you know, he was pushed by Roxanne Shantae, so, you know, that is literally a thing. Um, I think that this album itself had a way different vibe. It was, we were at a time where we, we wanted to have an elevation about ourselves. You know what I'm saying to you as, as black men, we wanted to say, yo, like listen to the science that he spits in this level of street knowledge. And you needed that. And again, it was laying out the blueprint for everybody. You know what I'm saying to you? It is one of the most critically acclaimed. It is over, 25 years old at this particular point and which goes to show you how old I am um but it, it is um it, it's just it's just crazy how you don't realize that something is a is a classic and people sit on it and they pass up on the opportunities but like bottom line Nas's album, complete classic. So even the source at that particular time, which was the ultimate in hip hop, bruh. I remember subscribing to it. I remember getting them for like twelve months. I wish I still had my source magazines. Damn, I wish I still had my source magazines. Now I think about it. Um, so the source. Upon the release, the source gave Illmatic a five mic rating, their highest rating. And a prestigious achievement at the time, given the magazine's influence in hip in the hip hop community. Um, John Skircher, co-founder of The Source, had received a copy of the album eight months before its scheduled release, and soon lobbied for it to receive a five mic rating. Um, so basically, what he stated it was about nine p.m. I get to the office and I gather all the heads in the conference room. I remember who was there. Maddie C., Chris Wilder, uh, Scotch Free Jacobs. Everyone was nodding their head, nodding their heads, eyes wide, mouths open. It's a hip-hop paradise. We had a pretty shitty system in there, but... It didn't matter. I pop in the tape and the powerful musical magic emits from the speakers when those funky, eerie, powerful xiphone notes for uh, from 
one love come on i remember jacobs is literally laying on the floor he can't comprehend how good it is none of us can it's the best shit we've heard in our lives internally we started debating how we gonna handle this i say right away it's gotta be five mics eventually the reviews for the ill medic was ill for sorry i my mouth is dry. I apologize for that. Um, eventually, the review for Illmatic was handled by the magazine's commonless misinfo. Real name, Manaya O. Oh! I now, oh, that, Min, Min Ye, I'm sorry. Min Ye O. I know who she is now. It just made me, it just clicked in my head. Um, then writing under the nom de pleur, shorty. Ugh. I love that word, nom de pleur, um, who shared uh, searches, enthusiasm, Nas's al- uh, for Nas's album. In her review of Illmatic, O wrote, so such a weird name, um, I must maintain this is one of the best hip-hop albums I ever heard and wrote... Uh, oh, you know what? It just made me think. I'm sorry. I just I, that's why I can't read and have too many thoughts at one time. That's why I pause. Um, the I remember the one thing that I loved about this album, and it was the artwork. Artwork is not like this anymore, but the artwork was one of the other things that made me completely fall in love with it. Like, yo, just seeing his face as a kid and then just seeing his New York City project behind him. And I've watched a documentary about, like, this is Illmatic and so on and so forth. Yo, go forth and watch those because they are some of the best, best documentaries about this. Um, So hip-hop debates. Illmatic has also helped to shape the attitudes and perceptions of hip-hop fans who cherish it as a musical template that defines the generational the generational conversations. As music critics Jeff Wise writes, Illmatic is a gold standard that boom bap consortius, sorry, I couldn't say that word refers to in the same way that the baby boomers talk about Highway 61 revisited. The evidence that, sorry, the evidence they point to when they went to say this is how good it can be. New York Times columnist John Caramonica, sorry about fucking up that last name, also credits the album with inadvertently spawning hip-hop's counterculture. Illmatic. He writes, mobilized a national network of descendants craving something true to the streets, but eager to distance themselves from what was being, beginning to be perceived as a sore thumb in the industry. Um, which they call gangster rap, according to, I can't suppose now, I think it's Cormonica, that's, or Cormanican, whatever, it's horrible. Uh, Nas' debut was received by 
these fans as a rebuke towards trends that were beginning to shape mainstream rap. I need my phone to stop vibrating. Um, the pop crossover, the exhibition production values, and the splintering of rap into Bethel or Considering Wings or Brothel and Considering Wings. Um, so what is also completely just phenomenal about this album is that like it wasn't a lot of songs but song after song and bar after bar this album is is the gold standard i think that it will you'll always talk if you talk top five dead or alive you'll always bring Nas into the conversation i will be very honest um moving into the future with Nas. It was very difficult. Like, I look at what I put on the board, and what I put up there was Illmatic, it was written, um, Nostradamus, and I Am, um, are some, which are all four, some of my favorite ones. But I will say, it did get, it got really grim, because I think somewhere where, the new millennium kind of started like Nas just wasn't we, we say this very quite frequently was not picking um excuse me was not picking the right beats he just wasn't he it was like it was like that magic that spark that was in the 90s it, it just wasn't there anymore and it wasn't for the lack of lyricism as an MC that just that wasn't the case but it just wasn't there the way that it used to be so that is one of the things that I'm just like, I love this art form. I love the fact that in that moment, anything can change. Like, believing in yourself that much that anything can change. Like, I honestly think that 2020 can be... It, Nas can come out with good, a good visual right now. Like, kind of where we are with anything. 2020, 2021, and especially where... King's Disease fits in the in this quarter because we're going to move into uh, quarter four at this particular point. Like, I think fourth quarter for him is going to be amazing, especially with us moving into winter. We just, you know, we just getting out of summer. Well, we're moving into fall. You know, we just getting out of summer. The album has that feel like you can still pop the new album on or you can pop any of his old albums on and you'll be like, yo, I feel... New York in those days, or I feel wherever I was at that moment in those days. So I really, I, I can't like anybody else stop gushing over this album. This album was a complete masterpiece. I mean, this it's so much of a masterpiece that it's sampled on top of samples where other people have sampled the album itself. Um, and again, to use his dad, um, like. You, like like he said in there, um, uh, Olu Dare um, is a prolific jazz player, um, and just a he's just an amazing amazing musician. I love that. Um, I love the fact that he. I had to stop saying. Um, I'm sorry. I love the fact that he. And yes, I know I've been pointing out my downfalls throughout this whole thing, but I just want to 
make the eventually make the best product. So I'll go back on this and be like, Troy, don't do this. Troy, don't do that. Anyway, uh, so his brother, um, his, I like the fact that he brought his brother into the fold too. And with his music that we'll, you know, we'll touch on later. Um, I still believe that. I love Uchi Wally. I don't give a fuck with nobody say. I think it's one of my favorite songs. I like the I like the nasty Nas. I like I like Nas in in a in a sense of being a storyteller. That I think that was also another reason that I fell in love with the firm after all of this kind of you know took place. I think the firm came in the more it was written category. You know, right before I want to, it want to fit it in right before like Nashadamas or whatever, um, and so that was one of those things. One of those things that really changed it for me. Like I said, the firm might have been the first album that I was able to purchase myself with my own money, and that's why it means so much to me. But musically, I've been listening forever. Like I said, I love this genre. I will never not love this genre. I love the new up-and-comers that are coming up and all of that, all of that good stuff. I want us to not throw out our elder statesmen because you have to think about it like this. Our elder statesmen leads to late 30s, 40s, 50s. Now, if you're 60, then we, do, we, we need to stop. But... When we're still in that bag, like we can still create and set the trends, and I, I, I give it to I, going back to Brandy and Monica. Like, yo, Brandy and Monica's streams have gone up tremendously, and not to mention the fact I will say this: if you use any of your assistants, Google or Alexa, like right now at this particular point, if you just even say '90s R&B, you'll hear a whole lot more of them songs than you did before. Like for um for instance with this Nas with Nas's King's disease, I am just amazed because I think what throws me and makes me so amazed at this point is because not even yeah, no, I'll take that back. Around this time last year, we was like what the hell is going on? Actually, no, I'm sorry. This time two years ago, 2018, yeah, 2018, we was like, what the hell is this? I mean, it was an album. Nazir was an album that was overshadowed by the Carters. You know what I'm saying? And it and it had Kanye on. Y'all should really realize that a lot of times it's so funny. I'm talking about this stuff while I'm in this room and I'm literally looking at some of the pictures like I'm talking to these people. It's weird. Um, but so Kanye had his hands and his imprint on it and he did, he didn't do what Kanye did not do well. Kanye's mental state does not reflect well on someone who does not have a great selection of beats. Hit Boy for this particular album for King's Disease killed it. And this is why Nas will always be forever indebted as a classic. Like, yo, I, I think everybody that worked on King's Disease, and I know I'm, I'm straying away from Illmatic, but because I'm, I'm, I'm in love with King's Disease right now. I think that everybody that worked on King's Disease needs to know that that album, and considering the, the fact that... Um, 
I think at the the time, like it was, it was so much. Again, so much music that ended up coming out. Like at that time, I wasn't. I want to say, I, like when Nas first came out with um, Illmatic, I wasn't really super honed in on Nas like that. Um, but I think that like once was it if I wrote the world. Yeah, I think once it, I ruled the world, I remember stayed in rotation, and once that was on rotation, heavily like that, and it it um it kind of made me switch my tune over to Nas, and I and I had to go back, but then it also made me all fall in love with it. I felt like it was a different level of storytelling. Like even Big was out there at the time, and 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 it was something that I wasn't. I was still young enough to not listen to. I want to say by the time. All of that was going on. Like, um, you still had the East, you like you still had East Coast West Coast beef, but all of it didn't really start surfacing. Like, so much was moving so quickly, and like Nas had been just just a gem. And then, not to mention the fact, you know, he was pushed by Roxanne Shante, so you know that is literally a thing. Um, I think that this album itself had a way different vibe. It was, we were at a time where we, we wanted to have an elevation about ourselves. You know what I'm saying to you as, as black men, we wanted to say, yo, like listen to the science that he spits in this level of street knowledge. And you needed that. And again, it was laying out the blueprint for, everybody you know what i'm saying to you it is one of the most critically acclaimed it is over 25 years old at this particular point and which goes to show you how old i am um but it, it is um it, it's just it's just crazy how you don't realize that something is a is a classic and people sit on it and they pass up on the opportunities but like bottom line, Nas's album complete classic. So even the source at that particular time, which was the ultimate in hip hop, bruh. I remember subscribing to it. I remember getting them for like twelve months. I wish I still had my source magazines. Damn, I wish I still had my source magazines. Now I think about it. Um, so the source. Upon the release, the source gave Illmatic a five mic rating, their highest rating. And a prestigious achievement at the time, given the magazine's influence in hip in the hip hop community. Um, John Skircher, co-founder of The Source, had received a copy of the album eight months before its scheduled release, and soon lobbied for it to receive a five mic rating. Um, so basically, what he stated it was about nine p.m. I get to the office and I gather all the heads in the conference room. I remember who was there. Maddie C, Chris Wilder, uh, Scotch Free Jacobs. Everyone was nodding their head, nodding their heads, eyes wide, mouths open. It's a hip hop paradise. We had a pretty shitty system in there, but... It didn't matter. I pop in the tape and the powerful musical 
magic emits from the speakers when those funky, eerie, powerful xiphone notes for uh, from One Love Come On. I remember Jacobs is literally laying on the floor. He can't comprehend how good it is. None of us can. It's the best shit we've heard in our lives. <clears throat> Internally, we started debating how we going to handle this. I say right away, it's got to be five mics. Eventually, the reviews for the Illmatic was... Ill for Sorry, I, my mouth is dry. I apologize for that. Um, eventually, the review for Illmatic was handled by the magazine's commonless misinfo. Real name, Manaya O. Oh, I now oh that Min Minye. I'm sorry, Minye. Oh, I know who she is now. It just made me. It just clicked in my head. Um, then writing under the nom de pleur, shorty. Oh, I love that word, nom de pleur. Um, who shared uh, searches enthusiasm? Nas's out al- uh, for Nas's album. In her review of Illmatic, O wrote, so such a weird name. Um, I must maintain this is one of the best hip hop albums I ever heard. And wrote, uh, oh, you know what? It just made me think. I'm sorry. I just, I, that's why I can't read and have too many thoughts at one time. That's why I pause. Um, the I remember the one thing that I loved about this album and it was the artwork. Artwork is not like this anymore, but the artwork was one of the other things that made me completely fall in love with it. Like, yo, just seeing his face as a kid and then just seeing his New York City project behind him. And I've watched a documentary about like this is Illmatic and so on and so forth. Yo go forth and watch those because they are some of the best best documentaries about this um so hip hop debates illmatic has also helped to shape the attitudes and perceptions of hip hop fans who cherish it as a musical template that defines the generational the generational conversations as music critics jeff wise writes illmatic is a gold standard that Boom Bap Consortius, sorry, I couldn't say that word, refers to in the same way that the baby boomers talk about Highway 61 Revisited. The evidence that, sorry, the evidence they point to when they went to say this is how good it can be. New York Times columnist John Caramonica, sorry about fucking up the last name, also credits the album with inadvertently spawning hip-hop's counterculture. Illmatic, oh, he writes, mobilized a national network of descendants craving something true to the streets, but eager to distance themselves from what was being beginning to be perceived as a sore thumb in the industry, um, which they call gangster rap. According 
to I can't suppose now. I think it's Cormonica. That's or Cormanican. Whatever. It's horrible. Uh, Nas's debut was received by these fans as a rebuke towards trends that were beginning to shape mainstream rap. I need my phone to stop vibrating. Um, the pop crossover, the exhibition production values, and the splintering of rap into Bethel or Considering Wings or Brothel and Considering Wings. Um, so what is also completely just phenomenal about this album is that like it wasn't a lot of songs but song after song and bar after bar this album is is the gold standard i think that it will you'll always talk if you talk top five dead or alive you'll always bring Nas into the conversation i will be very honest um moving into the future with Nas. It was very difficult. Like, I look at what I put on the board, and what I put up there was Illmatic, it was written, um, Nostradamus, and I Am, um, are some, which are all four, some of my favorite ones. But I will say, it did get, it got really grim, because I think somewhere where, the new millennium kind of started like Nas just wasn't we, we say this very quite frequently was not picking um excuse me was not picking the right beats he just wasn't he it was like it was like that magic that spark that was in nice it, it just wasn't there anymore and it wasn't for the lack of lyricism as an MC that just that wasn't the case but it just wasn't there the way that it used to be so that is one of the things that I'm just like, I love this art form. I love the fact that in that moment, anything can change. Like, believing in yourself that much that anything can change. Like, I honestly think that 2020 can be... It, Nas can come out with good, a good visual right now. Like, kind of where we are with anything. 2020, 2021, and especially where... King's Disease fits in the in this quarter because we're going to move into uh, quarter four at this particular point. Like, I think fourth quarter for him is going to be amazing, especially with us moving into winter. We just, you know, we just getting out of summer. Well, we're moving into fall. You know, we're just getting out of summer. The album has that feel like you can still pop the new album on or you can pop any of his old albums on and you'll be like, yo, I feel... New York in those days, or I feel wherever I was at that moment in those days. So I really, I, I can't like anybody else stop gushing over this album. This album was a complete masterpiece. I mean, this it's so much of a masterpiece that it's sampled on top of samples where other people have sampled the album itself. Um, and again, to use his dad, um, like. You, like like he said in there, um, uh, Olu Dare um, is a prolific jazz player, um, and just a he's just an amazing amazing musician. I love that. 
Um, I love the fact that he... I had to stop saying, um, I'm sorry. I love the fact that he... And yes, I know I've been pointing out my downfalls throughout this whole thing, but I just want to make the... Eventually make the best product. So I'll go back on this and be like, Troy, don't do this. Troy, don't do that. Anyway. Uh, so his brother... Um, his... I like the fact that he brought his brother into the fold too and with his music that we'll, you know, we'll touch on later. Um, I still believe that I love Uchi Wally. I don't give a fuck with nobody say. I think it's one of my favorite songs. I like the, I like the nasty Nas. I like, I like Nas in, in a, in a sense of being a storyteller. That, I think that was also another reason that I fell in love with The Firm after all of this kind of, you know, took place. I think The Firm came in the more it was written category you know right before I want to it want to fit it in right before like Nostradamus or whatever um and so that was one of those things one of those things that really changed it for me like I said the firm might have been the first album that I was able to purchase myself with my own money and that's why it means so much to me but musically I've been listening forever. Like I said, I love this genre. I will never not love this genre. I love the new up and comers that are coming up and all of that all of that good stuff. I want us to not throw out our elder statesmen because you have to think about it like this. Our elder statesmen leads to late thirties, forties, fifties. Now if you're sixty then we do, we we need to stop. But when we're still in that bag, like we can still create and set the trends. And I, I, I give it to I, going back to Brandy and Monica, like, yo, Brandy and Monica's streams have gone up tremendously. And not to mention the fact, I will say this, if you use any of your assistants, Google or Alexa, like right now at this particular point, if you just even say 90s R&B, you'll hear a whole lot more of them songs than you did before. Like for um for instance with this Nas with Nas's King's disease, I am just amazed because I think what throws me and makes me so amazed at this point is because not even yeah, no, I'll take that back. Around this time last year, we was like, what the hell is going on? Actually, no, I'm sorry. This time two years ago. 2018 yeah 2018 we was like what the hell is this i mean it was an album nazir was an album that was overshadowed by the carters you know what i'm saying and it and it had kanye on y'all should really realize that a lot of times it's so funny i'm talking about this stuff while i'm in this room and i'm literally looking at some of the pictures like i'm talking to these people it's weird um but so kanye had his hands and his imprint on it and he did he didn't do what Kanye did not do well Kanye's mental state does not reflect well on someone who does not have a great selection of beats Hit Boy for this particular album for King's Disease killed it and this is why Nas will always be forever indebted as a classic like yo i i think everybody that worked on king's disease and i know i'm, I'm straying away from illmatic but because I'm, I'm i'm in love with king's disease right now i think that everybody that worked on king's disease 
needs to know that that album, if done right for whatever time period that we end at this point, will now officially go down in history just like Illmatic did. Because it, it, it came out of left field like Illmatic. It gave us classically exactly what we were looking for. And then some. And things that we didn't know that we were looking for. And I think that's what Nas does. Nas gives you things that you didn't know that you were looking for. You know what I'm saying? So, a storyteller will always be a storyteller. A great MC will always be a great MC. A lyricist will always be a lyricist. And so, we praise you, Nazia Jones. Because Nazia Oludara Jones. Yeah, I said the whole name. Don't judge me. I know it. Can't read all the damn time, but I got it. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I must be sleepy now. Anyway, um, but yeah, so that is one of my other favorites and my other classics that I really love. So I really hope that y'all enjoyed it. You learned a little bit of information about it. Um, don't forget that you can find me all, you can find me in, the, no, not in the club. You can't find me, you can't find me in nobody club right now. Fuck that. You can't find me in the club after this shit is over. I'm tired. Fuck that. Um, but you can find me on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Music, Spotify, and the YouTube page as well. New interviews to follow, so y'all already know what's up. Um, we're going to end it like we end every single show. Fear, false evidence appearing real. It's only real in your mind if you make it real in your mind. And let's be clear, if we did not have Nazir push his pen and give us some of the most creative flows and, and just paint that picture of whatever street life meant to him in that moment, bro, we would not be sitting here today. Trust. And we would not be... And, and let me tell you something. I, the reason why I went through the whole thing of, you know, not Nas has a rise and fall, because he does. There are times where you just like, ugh. And right now, which gives me goosebumps, it was definitely not one of those times. So I feel like if I was a writer for The Source or whatever magazine back in the day, I would be like, look, right now, this is what you need to be listening to. So y'all make sure y'all check out King's Disease. It's on all your streaming platforms. Um, and um, I have been your host, Young Smooth. And you just kicked it with Young Smooth once again. Now... Don't you feel better about it? I know you do. I will talk to y'all next week. The rest of you are not out. I appreciate y'all. All right, thanks.